The following program is a production of the Lander University Department of Mass Communications and Media Studies and XLR Lander University Radio. The Soul of College Radio. How student broadcast media changes both individuals, stations, and the communities they serve. So we're sitting in a room, there's a chair. I say, that chair's the Titanic. And if you're in a theater, you're like, okay, I got it. Chair's the Titanic. I knock the chair over, Titanic sunk. Radio is the same kind of way. I can't show you anything. I can't do anything. But I promise you, if you listen to me, I will take you somewhere marvelous. I got to play a bunch of music that, uh, that I really liked and share it with the world. You know, whoever's out there. And I think I got a call during my first show, like 2.30, 3 a.m., with a request from my favorite band. So he, and he was, he was really drunk, and he sang me the song. And I, I was so lucky. And they said, we, we, we don't need any DJs. We have plenty of DJs. Uh, can you do news? I said, yeah, I can do news. All right, come in tomorrow at 5.30. We'll you know, get you trained and get you on the air. Your chance to like it gives you a chance to get the repetition, to make mistakes without much penalty. You're not going to get fired from most college radio stations unless you do something really dumb. I uh, moved into my freshman dorm. My father helped me get the luggage up into my room and went right down to the station that day. It was a Saturday. And um, my the upperclassmen then, who are now in the field, uh, one of my mentors is now a regional president for Intercom. He always jokes when he comes back to talk that uh, there was this little face at the window. <laughs> and he opened the door and let me in. Hello, my name is Paul Crutcher. I will be both producer and host for this program. You're also going to hear from some of the best voices in college broadcasting from around the country. The story of college radio is deep. It is journey and destination. It is intellectual. It has potential for deep connection between students, their peers, and their listeners. And if it's done right, it can be a lot of fun. My own journey into college broadcasting began in high school as the idea of a radio broadcasting club was formed during my sophomore year. Students would be allowed to use a local community college station on Saturday mornings to learn the basics of radio broadcasting. One of my classmates was Jeff Owens, now general manager of HitMix 89 WEIU-FM, the broadcasting voice of Eastern Illinois University. Ken Bino was the instructor at the time, and, you know, we talked to, he knew there were some of us that were interested in a radio club, and we, we proposed an idea to him, and he, he agreed that, you know, he would give up some of his time for some of the, for, you know, future DJs, and myself, you, and a lot of us uh, went out there, and on Saturday mornings, they would give us either a half hour or an hour to kind of spin tunes on record, you know, and, 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 and be on the air, and it was, I knew I was hooked then. Chris Wheatley is the general manager for radio and television at Ithaca College in the Finger Lakes area of New York. Wheatley knew that college radio was going to be the thing for him, and events fell into place that gave him his first shot. Anyway, I did news for a while, but I noticed that, like, gee, when you do news, girls don't call you, but when the DJs are on, the phone rings off the hook, and these, you know, they're... So, um... I finally, after a few months, um, got myself on the air. It was one of these emergency things. You know, they called up, hey, can you do it? Sure. So, um, and for some reason that night, let's see, it was uh, the Doobie Brothers were playing Cornell. This is really dating me. Um, But there I am on, on the air, and all these people are coming back from the concert. Like the next day, people were like, who was that guy? Like Wheatley, Warren Kazareski, otherwise known as Kaz to his students and peers, 
also now serves as a general manager at a station he worked for when he was a college student. I knew about this. I knew about the station. I, when I toured the college, I saw the station, uh, not in depth, but I knew what I wanted to do. So I knew, and that was the place, and that was where I spent too many hours as a freshman, which got me in a little academic trouble. What was the atmosphere like in those days? We were we were carrier current only. We didn't have the FM yet, and they still structured it professionally. We didn't have a general manager like I am now. We had an advisor who stopped by with a cup of coffee maybe once a week just to check in. But it was the students took on the responsibility. And what I didn't know at the time immediately was they had already applied and had an FM task force to, to get an FM license. And so that was the seriousness of how they took things, even though it was only carrier current. Um, you know, we were on the air 24 hours, and, you know, we ran public affairs programming just like... And the whole idea was we're going to pick up this carrier current station and just programmatically move it to the FM when we got it. Sarah Lomanchek is a producer for National Public Radio and programming advisor for Radio K, the student-run radio station of the University of Minnesota. Her passion for student media, and specifically radio storytelling, is infectious. And Sarah says she somewhat stumbled into this business. Um, I fell into radio. I, I started out um, wanting to be a poet and then moved to playwriting and was in New York when I got my first job in radio. Had been working in theater in New York City and, and fell into, got out of luck, hook and crook, a job producing a national show at WNYC Radio. And I just, I found my voice. I found everything I ever wanted in when you write for radio, when you think about radio, it is so much like theater because I can't take you anywhere. TV can take you everywhere. It can show you everything like a movie. In a play, you have to agree for the rules that are set up, right? So we're sitting in a room, there's a chair. I say, that chair's the Titanic. And if you're in a theater, you're like, okay. I got it. Chairs the Titanic. I knocked the chair over. Titanic sunk. Radio is the same kind of way. I can't show you anything. I can't do anything. But I promise you, if you listen to me, I will take you somewhere marvelous. And I fell in love with that form of storytelling, with that communication. And it surprised me, but I've never looked back. For myself, that stint in high school would lead me to WLKL, broadcasting from the basement of the library, on the Lakeland Community College campus in my hometown, Mattoon, Illinois. In that radio studio, I would finally host my own radio show. I would make mistakes, have dead air, mispronounce the names of prominent world leaders during newscasts, and mispronounce one of the most famous bands of all time. And you are in the midst of another Battle of the Bands competition here on 90FM. Well, that's one song apiece for... Cleeton's Clearwater Revival and Bruce Springsteen. we got two more to go from each. And then after 9.30, you call in and tell me who you want to win tonight's Battle of the Bands. I do have one final basketball score for you. Cleedence? Really? I couldn't say Cleedence Clearwater Revival. But that's the thing about college radio. No one is born a broadcaster. It's going to take time, and everyone has room to improve. Those carpeted walls and tile floor and shelves full of records, that was my safe place to learn the skills I would need to serve my professional career. Mike Brad, who is now associate professor and associate chair at Eastern Illinois University, was my first general manager. I think I, I tried to kind of emulate what it had been. Well, I took over for the person that was the instructor when I, when I was there, so pretty much it was running the... The Lakeland that I knew as a student was pretty much what I walked into there. Um, the difference was the biggest. The biggest challenge actually was technology. Was that the transmitter at the time was very, very old and unreliable. 
And so we had a lot of transmitter trouble. I mean, you crossed your fingers some days. We signed off in those days and came back on at 6 in the morning, and you crossed your fingers that it was going to come on. I, I remember that real vividly. Is it gives students, first, first and foremost, a chance to see if they like this. Because if you don't like it, you need to run away from it, get away, because it's not going to be a good experience for you long term. So find out if you like it. And I think a lot of college radio programs do that, okay? They, you'll, you'll find that out. At the same time, hopefully, you're kind of learning to do it the right way. But that takes a lot of time um, and a lot of repetition. It's, it's a lot like learning the piano or a musical instrument. You're not very good when you start, and you've got to take time to get good. And there's just no way around that, just repetition, doing whatever it is, you know, board shifts or sports uh, broadcasts or producing commercials or whatever it is you do. So you get a chance to like it. It's your chance to get the repetition, to make mistakes without much penalty. You're not going to get fired for most college radio stations unless you do something really dumb. To me, that's the real advantage. And then to build a resume tape that if you decided, I do like this, and I, hey, I'm not too bad at this one thing, a resume tape to be able to go and get a job with that. You know, doing that for a while, and then the opportunity arose to have my own show with my good friend Natalie. And, you know, we got in the studio and had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> but it was really awesome to just sort of learn, you know, firsthand in school, and you're there to learn and to just be able to push buttons and and decide what you're going to play and decide what your content for your show was. It was really awesome to just have that creative freedom and just very, like, quickly. You just you just get in the studio and you and you just learn. And, and it's, you know, you're going to press the wrong button and you're going to have dead air here and there. But you can't learn that. You can't learn that, you know, without having college radio. That's Ashley Ferry. She worked for me. I'm now a general manager for a college radio station. XLR Lander Radio the broadcasting voice of Lander University in Greenwood, South Carolina. We're a small school with less than 3,000 students, but we have a strong college radio presence, and our students have gone on to successful careers, including Ashley. You know her better as Brooke Taylor. She's afternoon drive host on Radio Disney, heard in every major market in the country, and on Sirius XM. Another thing you should know about my first college radio experience has to do with the people I surrounded myself with. That studio... The bullpen, the lab, the production room is where I hung out and formed relationships with some of the coolest people a 19-year-old could ever meet. Coming up in part two of The Soul of College Radio. But then I met a couple of people who seemed pretty cool and seemed to be interested in the same kind of things I was. Is that It is that in the best sense of the word what a fraternity or sorority is supposed to be. It's this group of people who are all connected and all share something really personal. Um, and she came back to visit with her fiancé, and I was coming down the hall from a meeting, and as I was opening my door, um, she turned around to her fiancé and says, this is the office that saved my life. We'll continue with the soul of College Radio right after this. This is College Radio Day. Once you walk through the doors of College Radio, life changes for many students. It is a true immersive community. And many of our interview subjects for this piece shared similar stories of finding a place to fit in, a true sense of belonging on their college campuses. I'm not like these other kids. I don't drive a new car and I don't like disco music. And so I almost thought maybe I should 
um, withdraw and think about doing something else. Um, but then I met a couple of people who seemed pretty cool and seemed to be you know, interested in the same kind of things I was. And we would do stuff. I mean, we were radio nerds. We would take... Um, like albums that would come in that week and take them to somebody's house and, and have like drop the needle, talk it up to the vocal contest. And there were times, you know, working over uh, school breaks or summer when we would be really understaffed, but we felt, um, and nobody told us we had to do this, but we're 24-7, 365, and nothing's changing that. We don't have automation, but we're going to figure something out and we did occasionally like run these tapes at three and three quarters these big huge things that would go like three hours so somebody could like get some sleep um but the you know being with a group of people interested in the same kind of things working toward a common goal um was then and continues to be i think a big Nathan Hewitt is the student general manager for wrfl the campus station at the university of kentucky I met Nathan in 2014 when he was leading a very informative session about college station management at the CBI convention hosted that year in Seattle, Washington. Nathan's major in school is in the arts, but not necessarily radio broadcasting or mass communications. That is the case with many of our students and students at colleges and universities across the country. I asked him about the transition from the arts into his role at UK. To a certain degree, I mean, maybe not. I didn't have any idea at that point that I was going to be general manager, uh, but I had some idea that this was something I wanted to do for the rest of the time I was at University of Kentucky, for sure. And kind of, I came to CBI, and I think that really had, uh, which is a radio convention, and that had a big impact on my idea of what I wanted to do at the station. And... um, really how intellectual this can be and how uh, powerful this can be and at that point I decided that I think I wanted to I thought I wanted to do something larger WRFL uh, has 17 student directors and about 100 um, DJs on staff Um, that I believe that includes the directors there on air 24 7 365 um, with a live DJ and have been since 1988 Um, And and in 1988, it kind of came out of a newspaper article in the school newspaper about how much radio sucked in Lexington. And so a bunch of people just came together because of that article and created it. I think if I hadn't ever joined the college radio station, I would have been pent up for the most part inside of this UK campus where I'm just talking to other students all the time. But through WRFL, I meet all these community members. So I'll, I'll remember being a part of Le- the Lexington culture rather than just this sort of collegiate um, business. And um, I'll remember the people I work with, of course, more than anyone, these kind of outlandish people who talk about these strange artists and musics that I've never heard of before. And then I talk to them about strange artists and musics they have never heard of before. And it's, this, it's so non-judgmental right in this place where everyone has a different idea of what good music sounds like and is okay with everyone else's idea as well. That you get to help kids work their way through those first stories and re-feel that excitement. And here's why I love college radio as we're talking. When I work at a grown-up station with grown-ups and you have to do a story that requires you to be not in your pajamas watching CSI at 11 o'clock at night, right? You're just, you're, they're livid. You're like, I have, they, uh, I, uh. 
and you talk to kids and you send them out in their first story and it's 11 o'clock at night and they are literally shaking with excitement like I get to interview that guy and you're like yeah and when I get with kids working at a student a couple years ago and she was writing all this language about her hometown and it was it was flowery and it was purple and it was long and it was full of clauses and we finally we were talking and talking and got down to what you would say in radio to describe her town and she was she was just like well it's the one with the Walmart and I said yes that's the moment that's what you write my town is the one with the Walmart you can see it you can see those little towns where it's the one main road through and then you know that yours is the one with the Walmart that means that there's no other Walmart for towns and towns and towns it means that for a hundred miles in any direction there's nothing right it tells you everything and it's so sparse and when she hit on that her face just glowed and she's like oh my god that's it and I'm like yes and like that's the moment for college radio because we all work with students most everyone I spoke with for this documentary had inspirational and emotional stories about current or former students we work with them each day and you get to know people their successes their struggles Sometimes those things play out on college radio through various forms and functions. But sometimes you don't find out the impact you've had on students until much later. One afternoon at the College of Brockport, WBSU general manager and faculty member Warren Kazareski was taking out his keys to open his office. She was uh, from day one on the suicide watch list when she got to campus as a freshman. Uh, and she took a five o'clock newscast with us. And I didn't know. I didn't connect the dots originally uh but she knew i'd be there and sort of get her through the weekend you know she'd come in after the newscast was over when we just talked for a while about things and went on for four years she graduated got a job with cats media for a while but uh not, no longer in the business which is fine but she got engaged um and she came back to visit with her fiance and i was coming down the hall from a meeting and as i was opening my door um she turned around to her fiance and says this is the office that saved my life that's what it's all about the last question I posed to most of the educational media professionals you've heard during this program was a simple one does it matter does college radio still have a place Is it still important in a world of USB drives, Spotify, and beaming satellites? It's a legitimate question. I have the sense that radio's become cool again because we had had our radio recruitment event in a 210-seat auditorium and with room for about 50 to stand in the back, and we had people out in the hallway for radio recruitment night. Um, And... That was uh, that was a bit of an eye opener. In fact, the dean, I saw her the next day. Oh, how'd it go? And I said, Well, we're going to need a new location for next fall because we can't fit them all in. Um, almost any time I go in the studio, there's two or three people in there, and they're all hanging out because they feel like this is a comfortable place. It's kind of like family, and you know that's the way it was in the '70s when I was there, and that's sort of the way it is now. And I think. Um, there are only good reasons to have college radio continue. And, you know, I work with people who say, you know, the, the FM band is going away in 10 years. That'll be a, a relic. I don't, I just don't believe that. I don't. Stuff, it's not just a radio station anymore. It's 
actually radio stations are going to become TV stations. You're going to have streaming video on your website if you don't already. You're going to maybe stream, you know, the Mike and Mike show is on radio and TV live from ESPN. Why aren't we doing that? Same thing. And so you're, you're but you're not broadcasting to a channel. You're broadcasting to a phone, a mobile device. <laughs> it's, it's, it'll be there. It, it, our jobs are going to change exponentially. Uh, the training is going to be completely different from what it is now, but the, but the basics never change. Uh, without WRFL, I think the community would look totally different. And not just because of what we do actively right now, but because of how many people have been through WRFL and are now out doing amazing things in Lexington. I think radio does a lot of, a lot of amazing things, even if you're not. Like the student I had who wants to go into psychology and be a therapist and said that he learned one of his main takeaways was learning how to make people comfortable because when you were going to interview them or you were going to have them record something in the studio they had to be comfortable or they would stutter and have a terrible voice so he learned how to make people comfortable you learn how to talk and you learn how to work through a situation as a team quickly you know when you're on the air you're on the air there is no redo there's no going back there's no waiting aside from dead air like you're on and it's going to happen so you learn how to problem solve and you learn how to problem solve on the fly and quickly you learn to work in a team you learn how to think and you operate at a college station like ours you are the you're the grown-up if i got a if i got an internship at a local radio station right and i was a marketing intern i would be handing out bumper stickers outside the concert door or at the grocery store if i'm working for the marketing department at my radio k uh, or any college radio station, I'm figuring out where we want to go, what our marketing plan is. Do we even want stickers? Maybe we want pants, right? You're doing it as opposed to just kind of executing it. Because when I think about Radio K, and it's, we've been here for 20 years, it's kind of like what old people used to call a Rolodex or a fraternity in the best sense of the way that you are a part of something, of an organization that now has fingers and contacts all over the media industry. WNYC, Slate, Audible. Everywhere I think I can find a Radio K alum and my students can. So whenever they're traveling or they'll call up and they'll be like, Sarah, who do we know at KQED in San Francisco? And I'm like, give me a minute and I'll find someone who can give you a tour and walk you through. I had a student who just is moving to Seattle and she's like, can I meet someone at KEXP? And I'm like, sure you can, Abby. So I set her up with a tour and she's going to start volunteer DJing there when she gets to Seattle. And I think that's the magic for college radio too. It is that it is that in the best sense of the word what a fraternity or sorority is supposed to be. It's this group of people who are all connected and all share something really personal. College radio has been very good to me. It's been good to all of the broadcasters and educators you've heard from during this program. And our sincere hope is that for students, faculty, staff members, administration, and most importantly, the communities they serve, that College Radio is a viable force for many years to come. Thank you for listening. The preceding program was written, narrated, and produced by Paul Crutcher. Original music score by Kevin Baggett. This audio documentary is a production of the Lander University Department of Mass Communications and Media Studies and XLR Lander University Radio.